Hello and welcome to Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. This week, I do have my co-host Mike back. Hello. And we have joining us again, Stephen Ring. What up? You are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are going to finish up this week our James Bond January, and we're going to finish up the fourth in the Pierce Brosnan films. We're going to be covering Die Another Day. Uh, Die Another Day was the 20th spy film in the James Bond series, came out in 2002. Uh, it was the fourth and last film to star Pierce Brosnan, as we mentioned. Uh, film follows Bond as he leads the mission to North Korea, where he's betrayed, uh, gets in with a rogue colonel. Uh, he's captured in prison, goes through all this here with uh, he ends up being part of a prisoner exchange and comes out of it. Uh, so we find out a whole bunch of stuff that's going on there. And my thoughts on this film, <laughs> I'll be honest, this was not one of my favorite Bond movies. This, it was, it was too much, like it was like too much action, too much focusing on the cars and focusing on the gadgets rather than focusing on Bond being Bond. Uh, and that's my thoughts. I mean, Mike, what were your thoughts? Everybody hates this movie, but they don't realize that they were trying. I mean, this is 40, as, you know, when it came out in 2002, it was the 40th anniversary of James Bond. It was 40 years since 2002 that, you know, you know, that Dr. No came out in 1962. So they were trying their hardest to homage everything Bond within this one film. I mean, you know, you've got Jinx with the, you know, Honey Rider copycat scene. You've got all the gadgets and everything else. You've got the new Q with John Cleese since he's no longer R. Um, I, the plot in itself, I don't particularly care for. Yeah. Because when you really boil the plot down as far as what the villain is trying to do is... It's a take over the world slash impress my father or parent scheme, you know, or it's basically a revenge scheme is what it is. And, and some of the Bond films do boil down to that, but I like this movie for everything that it did with the homages and, and all that stuff. And, and the gadgets were just cool. I mean, they got an invisible car into Bond. That's just awesome. Yeah. Uh, Steven, what were your thoughts? You know, it, it wasn't one of my favorites, but like Mike said, the, the, the homage to you know, classic Bond films, even the, at one point when they're underground before he shows them the car, he walks through, you know, and you see all the, the classic, you know, gadgets that James mm -hmm. Bond used throughout the years. Oh, yeah. Including the jetpack. <laughs> the Thunderball jetpack. The jetpack jet, jet yes. jet is always my favorite. Yeah, I mean, they. I will say that they did do a good job of throwing in homages, and I like that. I thought that was a nice touch. But for what it was, I have to nitpick on this because it bugged the hell out of me. All the others that I was watching, and, and I had, you know, granted, this was my DVD copy, but it mm -hmm. looked like somebody had recorded this thing on VHS and then put it in onto DVD and converted it to DVD. It was a crappy, crappy version. And this mm. was the full-screen version that came out when the movie first was released to DVD. I was so disappointed. I, I mean, I was like, what the hell is this quality? Yeah. Uh, it, you know, I, I don't know. They, they could have done a lot better. And there was, I, you know, just... Well, I think the reason why you were like, what the hell is this crap quality is because when that DVD first came out, it was probably, okay, the movie was, what, what was it? It was um, <sighs> November 20th, 2002. So the DVD probably hit February, March of 2003. Yeah. Right. And I, you know, 2003 to 2015, you know, 11, you know. <laughs> you're so used to all the high quality and the Blu-ray and all the high technology of today that when you actually look at something from but that's you know, just it. 11, 12 years ago. You know, I mean, that's just it. If I compare it to something like Fight Club and I compare the quality of the video, the, you know, the film shot with Fight Club, or I compare mm -hmm. it to, you know, uh, the X-Men movies and whatnot. 
Oh, I see. You're saying the actual film quality is bad, not necessarily yeah. the resolution quality on the DVD itself. Right. I mean, well, like when you watch the resolution, it looked grainy as hell compared to mm. everything else that I've seen. I was just like, really? You guys couldn't do anything to clean this up? It looked like they had shot the film in PAL and then converted it over to MTSC. Okay, that's that's my geekiness for video coming out. I'll uh, you know what? That. Honestly, I, I back then, I, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. You know, it just, it looked like ass. And, and I, that was something that bugged the hell out of me. That, and when at the very beginning, when you see James Bond coming in and he's sneaking in, surfing the waves in North Korea. And I was just like, really? Really? Now, that, that scene does look a lot better on the remastered Blu-rays. It doesn't help the plot of the movie any. No. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the remastered Blu-rays help a lot of the visual aspects of this film. But it's, you know, visual aspects aside, nothing can help the actual plot of the film. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I will say that I thought it was an interesting opening twist and how they actually – Outside of the gadgets and outside of the classic Bond homages and all that stuff, I will say the intro to this movie and how they used the title sequence. Because if you look at the past three Pierce film, the past three Brosnan films, they, I, I don't mean to insult them, the people that put the title sequences together, but they just look like standard, you know, Bond, cigarette, guns, women, whatever else. Right. This, they actually use the title sequence to tell the story of while he was captured and being tortured and, and all this and all that. I love that part of this movie because yeah. that's the one story element that makes a lot of sense. And that's the one thing that you can count on for this film to actually use a title sequence well. I'm not saying that they need to do this all the time at all, but for this movie and how this, like, this is a, the beginning of this movie is a James Bond movie like I had never seen before. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, how many of us have seen James Bond get captured? I mean, like, not, you know, not thrown into the typical golden, you know, Goldfinger where he's got the laser coming up and, you know, Goldfinger's yeah. looking at him going, I expect you to die. You know, no, it, it's not that. It, it's, this is them beating the crap out of him and literally torturing him to try and get information out of him. And I thought that was done very, very well. It's you know it's it's one it's one of my favorite title sequences you know obviously any of the Bond movies for that reason right there it, it tells that part of, that important part of the story yeah you know you see him get captured you see him go through through the torture and you know in that little span of time it's it's been what eighteen months that he's there yeah yeah and. You know, we always talk about the ingenious ways that Pierce's Bond uh, escapes from places. Stopping your heart has to be at number one. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. I'll give him that. that that's some, um, you know, uh, that, that's one of my favorite tricks right there. You know, I, I don't know where he picked it up from, you know, if he studied somewhere, you know, in the Far East, whatever. That's the coolest thing. I mean, there are only two – okay, well, I know there are probably others, but there are only two people I know that in fictional history, just from what I've experienced in my limited 35 years on this planet, that I know can do a heart-stopping maneuver. You've got James with slowing it down to the point where it's not there, and then you've got the Flash in Justice League Unlimited uh, speeding, it, speeding up so fast, uh, making it look like his heart has stopped. Oh, um, you know, so, uh, b between the flash and James Bond. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> awesome. yeah. Uh, so die another day. Um, Let, let's talk I, a little bit about the plot. Cause I know that <laughs> I, I know that we kind of been all over it and the title sequence we love. We know that. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how bad the rest of the story gets. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, see, is this the, I think, is this the only film that the singer is actually in the film for the theme song? Um, I believe the, so. Yeah, I think only, so. Only Bond film that a, a singer of the actual theme song has actually been in the film. And of course, yep. you know, 
as soon as you know, as soon as the the exchange scene ends and the and the title sequence begins, you get the dun 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 dun, and all of a sudden, hey, look, it's Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I guess I kind of because I remember as I was you know as a kid fantasizing over the Justify My Love video, you know, so I remember the late eighties, early nineties Madonna, and it's one of those things where. Oh, of course, she's going to show up as the fencing instructor and, you know, decked out in, you know, black leather and whatever else. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And she's only in there for one, you know, one scene. But it was kind of cool seeing her in the actual movie. Uh, But basically the plot is they're they're exchanging because of the fact that they're trying to get somebody back. And they're, they're trying to get, you know, Bond to the point where... He um he needs to face his crimes or something or other I think yeah and you know the, oh that that's what it is they're they're trying to get a criminal out so they give them bond which when I think about it it kind of makes my brain hurt yeah I'm uh, like really you let <sighs> one of the best spies from MI6 and and this is the other thing that that kind of blew my mind is that they know that he's a spy for MI6 and they've been researching him for forever and a day. Mm-hmm. They know all this shit about him, but they just let him go. Like, oh, you know, we know that he's one of the best, but we're going to let him go and possibly come back to get us another time. Yeah. Uh, dumbasses. <laughs> just. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's just too. So they're they're trying to get this criminal out, and it. I don't know. It it just seems like a really weird way for Bond to go undercover on something. Yeah. And this, the character of James Bond and his, oh, at this point, over 50 years of, of existing, James Bond is not Jack fucking Bauer. James Bond does not do, I mean, sure, no. he, 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 he is a double O. He does have a license to kill, but he doesn't do the most extreme things that Jack, the 24's Jack Bauer would do. Like, you know, they did the same thing in 24 where, the Chinese wanted Bond to, or not Bond, I'm sorry, wanted Bauer to, <laughs> sorry. They both start with B, goddammit. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, wanted Bauer to pay for his crimes against China. And it's like, this just seems strange to me to have, have Bond do this and have him infiltrate this way, especially going through what probably was a straight 18 months of torture. Like, they didn't just torture him for two weeks. They tortured him for 18 months. Oh, yeah, sticking him in the ice water, beating the crap out of him. You know, that wears. That's got to wear on somebody. And you'd think that something would have come out or that he would have been brainwashed to some extent. But no. Only James Bond could come out of something like that and and be almost normal. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, I want to bring up, because we do have the Bond girl of the film... Okay. She if looked, you can call her that. Yeah. <laughs> she looked good coming out of the surf, doing the whole oh. Ursula Andress scene. I thought that was a very nice touch, and I looked at it, and I went, yeah, you know, the spy loved me. I, I immediately remembered that. I kind of went, okay, good. But, first off, Jinx, what the fuck? Okay, I thought you were talking about the other ones. <laughs> That's why I said if you can call her that, because let's face it, while Rosamund Pike might be a great actress, Miranda Frost is one of the worst. Yeah, <laughs> Bond. <laughs> I don't know what's I don't know what's worse, her or the nuclear scientist from the last movie, <laughs> Denise uh. Richards. Uh, again, the uh. only thing that Denise Richards had going for her well, was her boobs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know what? No, you know what? I, Rosamund Pike as Miranda Frost was a lot better than than Denise Richards. Okay, and you know what? Yeah. I, I'm sorry. She's more attractive too. Okay, and that you know yeah. that's a fair point. Um, uh, with Halle Berry as Jinx, uh, I don't know it. <laughs> I <laughs> just say it, Mike. <laughs> I really think they were pushing the envelope. I almost think this movie might have almost got an R rating with some of the lines in this because, and I know we haven't completely talked about the entire plot yet, but. At the end of the movie, 
no, don't take it out. Seriously, you had to say that line at that point in time when the camera is on your navel. Seriously, really? Yeah. It's like children are going to, you know, most parents might take their children to see a James Bond movie. This is not a movie for children. I don't care if it is PG-13. Yeah. You don't want to take your teenagers to this movie, people. No, no. (laughs) Then again, you just don't want to watch the movie, period. This This is almost as bad. As oh god, what was the one with George Lazenby in it? I can't for the life of me. On her Majesty's oh, Secret Service. Thank you. Yep. You know it was almost that bad. Almost that bad. Well, at least well, okay. The 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 one reason why I loathe On Her Majesty's Secret Service is because Lazenby is not an actor. He was not an actor. He was a model that they brought in. You know, it's not like the man. The only thing that I will give Lazenby credit for is the voice of King from Batman Beyond with the Royal Flush Gang. That was the only good thing he has ever done in his Hollywood career. But but with On Her Majesty's Secret Service, he was a horrible Bond. Whereas here, you have a great Bond in Pierce Brosnan, yet you have a horrible plot. He made it work. To Brosnan's credit, he made it work. Oh yeah, he, um, I mean there were there were a lot of little things about it that you kind of went, yes, he's he's giving it life. He is the only saving grace in this film, really. I mean, when you've got first off, you've got Madonna. I mean, you've mentioned this. I didn't like having her in the film because all I could see was that gap between her teeth, and it just seems to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, you know, I, I didn't care for her. Miranda Frost was hot, but that's about it. Uh. You know, going through when Bond gets invited by Graves to Iceland for that scientific demonstration. And, you know, he's supposed to be talking about the Icarus satellite to bring mm-hmm. light, bring day where there's night. And I'm kind of like, really? Really? They're going to use this to, you know, and I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm listening to this. And my first thought was, this is going to be some sort of massive weapon. You know, come on. How could nobody see this? Yeah. Right. You know, th- and, and to go. To go back for a second to, to Halle Berry, every every scene that she was in just felt awkward. She felt it, it felt awkward with her throughout the whole movie. It it was almost as if they needed a, a big name American actor to put in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's the one that they found. You know, may, just you know, just like with Denise Richards, that she's the Denise Richards of Die Another Day. <laughs> He's that big name American actor they had to throw in there to make everybody happy. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is one thing I'm liking about the new series about about Craig being the new Bond is that it's just kind of like you know he it's you're getting homages. Example, Skyfall. I mean, you know, I know we're, I know we keep coming back to that throughout this James Bond January, <laughs> but come on, you had the original Aston Martin DB5. You had mm-hmm. little touches where you see the new Q and he starts, he starts making fun of bond saying, it's not all gadgets. It's just a gun and a radio bond, Mm -hmm. you know, and you see little things like that. And it's kind of like, wow, you know, they're, they're poking fun of everything that happened before it Mm -hmm. and paying homage at the same time and doing a great job of it. This. Yeah. And and, well, to get more off track with, with Skyfall, my favorite, my favorite thing about it, is Ralph Fiennes at the end in the in the office as M? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I have to correct you, know? you because because there's a, there's several comedians who make fun of this. His name is not pronounced Ralph. It's Rafe Fiennes. Whatever. You know, exactly. Whatever. Exactly. Whatever. Whatever. You know what? I live in America, damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll mispronounce it if I want to. Yes. Rafe. Rafe Fiennes. <laughs> but you know that that door. You know, from from mm-hmm. older James Bond movies, that leather buttoned door that I, I want one. Yeah, <laughs> I want a library with a door like that. Oh, uh, now to get back to the plot here of Die Another Day, did you guys think that the whole gene therapy to to change your appearance was hokey? Completely yeah. unbelievable. Okay, at least I wasn't the only one. I'm looking at this and I'm going, really, and really. Are they really in Iceland, seriously? Because Iceland is the green one. Greenland is the icy one. Yes, I that mean... was the other thing that bugged the hell out of me. Thank you. <laughs> you know, they, and this two, was... two areas of the world that are completely misnamed of each other. Yes. Right? 
And of course, it's a James Bond film that's got to get it mixed up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, there's just so many things that let let's talk about who Graves really is. I, I you know, I, I suspected <laughs> some bullshit like this after they started talking about the gene therapy to alter someone's appearance. Graves is really the son. He's really the son of Zhao. You know. Mm-hmm. And it's no, like, he's not or, the son uh, of Zhao. Zhao. He's he's uh, the, uh, he's the son of the general, Colonel yes. Moon. Thank Pearl, you. Yeah. Sorry, I, I I was like, wait a minute, no, that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he's the uh, he, he's Colonel. He's formerly Colonel Moon, the son of General Moon. Right. Um, that that was the one who ends up with the diamonds in his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought Zhao, that was a little. You know, Zhao is metal face. <laughs> yeah, I looked at that and I'm like, okay, is this guy going to be the next Jaws? Please say I was no. going to say, yeah, it, it gives uh, a whole uh, new meaning to Jaws now. Yeah, like, I was just... Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. <laughs> and I'm like, thank God he... Thank God they ended with him and they didn't bring him back for any of the Craig ones. You know, just... Ugh. You know, it was... You had that. You had the... <laughs> the car. Okay, the car was kind of cool. I, I will say that. The The... Invisible car that we see in Iceland. When we see James Bond push the buttons and we see the car back up on the ice wall, I'm like, okay, eh, that's kind of cool. But you know, they, they were—you could really tell that they were touting all the hot cars because you had, you had uh, Graves, all of his cars that were there. You know, the Lamborghini, the the Ferrari, mm-hmm. all that. You see James Bond's Aston Martin. And then, of course, this being 2002 with the release of the Thunderbird, the, re- the re-release of the Thunderbird, Ford trots out that Thunderbird in Iceland, which I thought was, I'm like, wait a minute, they're in fucking Iceland and they've got Jinx driving a Thunderbird up? <laughs> what the fuck? Ford is not even really big in Europe. I mean, they've got mostly in Britain, but they're not building Thunderbirds over there. Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know. There were just there were so many things about this movie that that took you out of the movie. Oh yeah, that just made you stop and think. Really, really? Yeah. No, not not a chance. The gene therapy, the you know, no. Yeah, you it's know, all very very hokey. I, I mean, and this is this is one of the reasons why I, I I was just disappointed. I mean, I like Pierce Brosnan. I thought he was a great actor, but. This was just shit, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and the, oh, and, and of course we can't forget at the very end when they've got Icarus beaming down and like burning the hell out of North Korea and it's going through and destroying the minefields and they fly in with that big ass plane and they're starting to crash and Jinx pulls it out. She's like, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <sighs> Die another day. If <laughs> go ahead, Steve. What are you gonna say? I, I will say, other than the opening sequence, you know, a, another favorite part of mine is when when Miranda Frost and Jinx are fighting in the plane. Oh, that was just okay. <laughs> yeah, I you know That's I will say hot. yeah that outfit that that Miranda Frost was wearing. Oh, right. Oh. You know, it wasn't. She wasn't. You know busty or anything like that but it was just like you saw her and you're like oh yeah <laughs> she, she's one of my passes she's one of my passes <laughs> yeah I, I can't say I blame you on that one uh, mm. let's move on to the cast we, we've covered a lot of these people already before but mm. we'll go ahead and cover them again you know Pierce Brosnan we've done him to death do we really need yeah. to say anything more about what else he's been in um, I'm trying to think if we do or not. Uh, let's see here, Pierce. Um, he's got, um, yeah, I'm trying to think what he's, this year he's got, uh, The Coop, which apparently is completed. He's got Survivor, which I don't think that's the TV series. Um, uh, oh God, can you imagine James Bond, Pierce Brosnan, James Bond on Celebrity Survivor. Oh my God! Um, I'm having visions awesome. of him pulling out gadgets and stuff on the island. He's yeah. He's apparently uh, going to be. He's in post production on The Moon and the Sun, where he apparently is going to play King Louis the Fourteenth. 
Uh, he's currently filming a movie called Urge, and then there's an untitled Pierce Brosnan, Jack Orman project TV movie that's been announced. But, um, I mean, the man has done, I mean, even after, you know, okay, he did Die Another Day in 2002, even after um, he did the voice of James Bond again in Everything or Nothing, the video game in 2003, he was in Laws of Attraction, uh, let's see, recently, he was in Mamma Mia in 2008, wow, God. Uh, James Bond in Mamma Mia, that's crazy, um, I think probably the most famous one he's been in since Bond is probably Percy Jackson and the Olympians, the lightning thief in 2010, you know what, um, I'll give him a nod for the world's end, mm-hmm. right, because I, I like the World end, world's end, it was not a very popular movie by any means, but Having him in there was a nice nod. Why do they have him in a movie called How to Make Love Like an Englishman last year when he's Irish? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> do we need to ask? Well, that got awkward. Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm just saying. All right. Um, Halle Berry. Uh, let's see. Halle Berry. She uh, is currently, well, from last year to this year, I don't know if it's going to last, but she's currently in a TV series called Extant. Um, she has got uh, post-production on a f- film, I assume, is called Kidnapped, and she's rumored to be in Miles and Me later uh, at some point. Um, she was in last year, Days of Futures Past, as Storm again, so there's that. She was in the WWE films uh, movie The Call as the 911 operator. She was one of the poor souls that got roped into doing Movie 43. That's a horrible oh. movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, this is, the, this is the thing that I thought was funny was that she won an Academy Award in 2001 or 2002 for Monsters Ball. Mm-hmm. And then later goes on to do Catwoman. And this isn't even the good Catwoman. This is, yeah, you know, it's kind of like, look, and I swear that that was the thing is like, you'd see all these actors and actresses that they've, they'll get their Oscars. And then immediately after getting their Oscars, they do some shitty movie like stealth with Jamie mm-hmm. Fox or, you know, <laughs> this one, it's just like. God, could you have any better sense? You know what the first movie I ever saw her in was? Which one? It happened in 1994. 94. Oh. 1994, she played Miss Stone in The Flintstones. Yes. (laughs) Lucky for her, she's kind of come out of that there, and she's... She's nowadays. She's probably better known as you know for playing Storm in the you know all the X Men movies. Yeah, yeah, which is a good thing for her. Yeah, thank God well, that roles like, thank God for roles like uh, Baps and Bullworth that have gone away that people don't remember her playing those roles. Right. Uh, I, I will never forget that I was working at AMC when Baps came out and seeing her with gold teeth. <laughs> uh. Uh, yeah, it just wasn't good. Um, um, Toby Stevens, I've never heard of him outside of this movie. Uh, <laughs> he played he played the Gustav Graves character. He he's been on uh, uh, Stars Black Sails. Oh, uh, he was in Strike Back, BBC Space Cowboys. Oh, and, and Mike, since you are a Law oh. and Order fan, he was in the Law and Order UK version. Ah, uh, no wonder I never heard of him. <laughs> what? If, exactly. it if it ain't American. <laughs> he, he reprised his role as Gustav Graves in 007 Legends. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. In 2012. Yeah, a lot of people came back for that one. Yeah. Uh, talking Let's about see. Rosamund Pike. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just to give you some credit, she she was actually, she came back after this film to be in another movie with Pierce Brosnan, she actually showed up in The World's End with Simon Payne yeah. and Nick Frost. She was yep. in Jack Reacher. Uh, she just recently was in Gone Girl. Uh, <laughs> I, I've got to mention this just to show you her talent in acting. <laughs> she was in Doom with The Rock and Carl Urban. Yeah, she was. <laughs> and that's still, you know what? That You know what's nice is that didn't do her in. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Since since die, I mean, she's done a lot since you know. It looks like ninety eight, 
but she's I mean she's kept going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, she's Well, if we use an example here, there there's one that I'm kind of hoping that we'll get here in the US. Uh she actually just did a pilot for an upcoming Thunderbirds or Go TV series, which will probably only be in in the UK. I would love well, to see we it have, here. We have BBC America here, so there is that. Yeah, there is yeah, that. But you know, BBC America is like I, I don't know. We we get things <laughs> we get things late. The only thing that we get because it is so popular is Doctor Who. Doctor yeah, Who on time. Yeah. Other than that, we get we get nothing. Uh-huh. You know, over over there, um, what is it? Downton Abbey is really popular. Mm-hmm. Here, we don't even get it on BBC America. My wife loves that show. Yeah, it's all on PBS, but you know, it, yeah. it's still late. And, and of course, you know, Doctor Who. The, I will say, Doctor Who. BBC has been good for Doctor Who because they gave us the first trailers, uh, first reveals of the new Doctor before the UK got it, which was kind of surprising to me. So, you know, for what it's worth. Uh, so now that we've taken we, that whole. Well, <laughs> I gotta, we got to move on to, because I want to bring this guy up. We got to move on to William Lee. Uh, because this guy, <laughs> he has been in a bunch of stuff. But the most hilarious thing I find that. He, according to IMDb, his very first credit is in 1997 in Gun, an episode of Nash Bridges, Gunplay as Quick. I'm like, wow. Yeah. And then the next place I would have seen him is the TV movie for Witchblade in 2000 with Yancey Butler. Yeah. Um, I do not remember him as Bobby Wu in VIP uh, at all. Of course. VIP, I didn't really watch that series too much. Yeah. Um, well, he, then, he played with um, Jennifer... Oh, God. Uh, Jennifer Garner. I almost said... Yeah. Um, I almost said Jennifer with uh, Ben. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, no, no. Not, not Benifer. He, 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 he was in Electra in 2005. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he showed back up uh, before that in 2004 as Val in Torque. I love Torque. I don't care what anyone says about that movie being bad. I love that movie because in an age, at 2004, we were three years removed from The Fast and the Furious start in 2001. Yeah. That's a movie about motorcycles that makes fun of street racers as in cars. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> what is it about? What, what is it about driving cars that makes you all such assholes? <laughs> you know, it's just. Well, uh, you know, Torque was. Torque was one of those so bad it's tolerable. It's so bad it's tolerable good in a sense. You know what I'm saying? It's that train wreck you just can't look away from. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, He was also in uh, Hustle, the TV series Hustle in 2007. He was in TV series miniseries called Fallen. Uh, he was in the TV series Bionic Woman in 2007. I remember um, seeing that. That was I remember seeing the preview for that, the very first episode, and it was funny because with that, Mae Whitman, aka the voice of Tinkerbell, uh, mm-hmm. she was actually going to be uh, the Bionic Woman's deaf sister, and they cut her out. Oh! In the pilot, you could see her, but after the pilot, they cut her out, and it sucked. I was like, damn. <laughs> He plays pedestrian and character voices in Saints Row the Third. Right. <laughs> he was additional voices in the Amazing Spider-Man video game. He was in Red Dawn in 2012. He was in Nightmare in North Point for a video game in 2012. Um, I'm trying to see here. He was in uh, Saints Row Four. Um, Wei Shen in Sleeping Dogs video game. <coughs> yep. Um, He's, I believe, I think it's just for 2014, but he was in True Blood as Mr. Gus. Um, And 2010 to 2014, he was on the new CBS Hawaii Five-0 thing as Sang Min. Uh, Coming up, he has something he's in post-production for called San Andreas. I'm like, wait, are they making a Grand Theft Auto movie? You know, it's possible. We can hope. I I wouldn't mind seeing that one. Mm -hmm. Well, this, let's not hope too much. <laughs> if they do it one, right, I wouldn't mind seeing it. This one that um, that he is listed as uh, as being in is um, in the aftermath of a massive earthquake in California. A rescue chopper pilot makes a dangerous journey across the state in order to rescue his estranged daughter. So, by San Andreas, they mean the San Andreas Fault, not 
So it's Volcano. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> you know never mind. <laughs> you know, really quick, I, I want to jump uh, to Michael Madsen. Okay. Because <laughs> okay. I was just looking at his filmography. Oh. And he's one of those ones that, you know, you would classify, you, you know his face. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can never remember his name unless you, you see it on something like IMDb. And if you look at his filmography, just, just for 2015, he, he's like, he, he's a, he's an acting mercenary. Yeah. Just look at, I mean, a, a pre-production, all this filming, post-production. He's like, oh, yeah. All this, and that's just 2015 and 16. And they just scroll down. I mean, just it goes back to like what nineteen eighty two. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you had him as being Bob in Sin City. He was in Free Willy, Free Willy Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> he was Vladimir in the God Awful Blood Rain, which it, uh, I don't even know if you guys have seen that one. It's it's just bad. No. no. Uh, yeah, he was the he was one of the assassins in the Kill Bill films, uh, and. One one that I liked him in, he was the voice of Kilowog in the Green Lantern First Flight animated film that they did. Hmm. Yeah, he did pretty good in that. I thought he was good. You know, I mean, it was it was short, but you yeah, know, he still got to kick Poozer butt. So hey, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he's just I mean, one of those actors that comes along and you see him in everything, but you, you can't remember his name. Yeah. Now this is interesting because they. <sighs> Everybody should remember Not Another Teen Movie, but apparently, I don't know if this is a sequel to that, but apparently they did a Not Another, Not Another Movie. I'm like, what the hell kind of title is that? He was in that, apparently. Oh, God. Um, I I missed that, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all missed that, thank God. Um, uh, But he is a really, really good actor. Uh, Yeah. You know, he the the one thing about Michael Madsen is that he always seems to kind of play the same role of being a rough and tough, kind of drunk asshole. And with the exception of him playing Mr. Blonde in Reservoir Dogs, where we see him cut off a guy's ear. Yeah. And, you know, he's doing that. He's dancing around. That was awesome. That was probably his, you know, his shining moment in a sense, because he's not had... At least from what I've seen, he's not had really great films since then, or really great roles since then. But he, he's always going to have work because you're always going to need that type of character in a movie somewhere. Yeah. And he's got that voice, too. It's, it's, it's slightly rough, but it's not, it's not harsh on the ears, you know? It's, I smoke six packs of cigarettes a day. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, we, we had quite a few. I mean, there's... We we mentioned you know I know we didn't really mention John Cleese but we've done that with previous Bond films yeah you know Monty Python Fal- Faulty Towers Fierce Creatures Fish Called Wanda those those are the things that he's been in uh, really didn't have a whole lot else to cover I mean you know we've had the big ones Judy Dench uh, you know she was she's been in she's been M ever since uh, all the way up to Skyfall so you know we'll, we'll see her again I'm sure. Uh, maybe not in the Bond films, but definitely see her again. Uh, let's move on here. I've got a little bit of trivia that I wanted to pick up here for us. Uh, as you mentioned earlier in the very beginning, Stephen, that we had yeah. gadgets and other props from every previous Bond film. Uh, they were actually in Eon Productions archives, and they appeared in Q's warehouse in the London Underground, which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the poison-tipped shoe that he had from Russia with Love... Obviously, the jetpack and Thunderball. And Q actually makes a mention, a nod to this being the 20th uh, Bond film. Because he says, when he issues uh, Bond the watch, he goes, Here, this is your 20th, I believe. Yep. Great. Yeah. (laughs) And this was another bit that I thought was absolutely hilarious. MGM and Eon Productions granted Mattel the license to sell a line of Barbie dolls based around the franchise. Yes, folks, you heard that correctly. Mattel had well, Barbie dolls. <laughs> well, if Batman can be a Ken doll, I mean, why can't the James Bond characters be Barbie dolls? <laughs> uh, you know, see, and I, I vaguely remember that. 
<laughs> and that's the thing I'm having a problem with. They're not dolls. They're action figures. That's what they should be. <laughs> James Bond is an action hero. It's action films, not Barbie. <laughs> yeah, I remember as a kid in 90 or 91, I had the James Bond Jr. action figure. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. And, and he was so tiny compared to the Dick Tracy action figure. <laughs> Uh, well, that just tells you who's got a bigger dick. Oh, I wow. had to go there. I had to go wow. there. Damn. That's like DC doing their their solicitations for last year's uh, introduction to the Grayson series. It's like, you think you know Nightwing, but you don't know Dick. Yes. <laughs> oh. Yes. Oh, we all love Dick, we know. Oh, God. <laughs> Settle down. It's better than it's better than seeing an aggressive Parker, you know, an aggressive Peter. Definitely seeing an aggressive Peter. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Doug Abel is going to the corner for all these bad jokes now. Yes, like put put a dunce cap on him. He's done. Yes, I'm sitting. I'm I'm stopping now. (laughs) Uh, Now, did you know? Gives new meaning to the term wet willy. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. Alright. <laughs> now, did you guys know that they were originally going to do a spin-off film from this movie? They were going I'm to have so, I'm so glad they didn't. Jinx was going to be in her own film with a November, December 2004 release. And it was <laughs> So wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah. She did Catwoman instead of that. That yeah. would have been the Jinx movie would have been so much better than the Catwoman movie. <laughs> oh yeah. Well what happened was that MGM wanted to set this up. It was kind of gonna be a Winter Olympics alternative to James Bond. So basically like every other year you'd have a Bond film and then you'd have this Jinx film and so forth. And mm-hmm. originally MGM had wanted to have a spin-off of the film with Michelle Yeoh's character, Y Lin, from Tomorrow Never Dies. Which I think that would have been an excellent role. Putting her in, having her be Jinx, and having her come off with that, I think would have been much, much better. But then again, we might have ended up with more Silverhawk. Yeah. So, you know, I'm kind of glad that that just died a horrible death. It did not, you know, it did not die another day. It died earlier that day. (laughs) Um, You know, they basically said, October 26th, 2003, Variety said, nope. MGM completely pulled the project. They're not going through with this anymore. Uh, you know, and Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson, who were the heads of Eon Entertainment, they were really, really pissed about it. So, yeah. you know, and then of course we get the next film, which was Casino Royale, which, yeah, not a great tie-in for. It's see, I, I honestly think we need. Something like, like if you're going to replace a Bond, if you're going to replace an actor as Bond, we need a two, three, four, hell, even a six-year gap between. Because let's face it, and we talked about this when we talked about GoldenEye and Tomorrow Never Dies. You know, in GoldenEye, it had been six years since Dalton's two-film run. Yeah, everybody hadn't forgotten about James Bond, but they were ready from 1989 to 1995. They were ready in '95 to fall in love with another new, different James Bond. And when did Casino Royale come out? Oh, now you're gonna make me look. Let me see. Yeah, I am. Uh, so, well, uh, 2006. Yeah. Okay, so they waited four years instead of six years. So it just I don't know. Like, and the, the the other problem I had with this whole changeover is that they constantly between two thousand three and two thousand six they constantly went back and forth, back and forth. Pierces in, pierces out, pierces in, pierces out. Is like, what the hell's going on? Oh, we're gonna go into a new direction. We're gonna reboot it. We're gonna give you the origin of how he became a double O, and the origin of how he became a double O takes two. Seconds in the first scene of Casino Royale. I know it's like right? here's yeah. your double O status. Moving on. What? What? But, but, you know, I think they had to continue the series that quick with with you know social media and the kind of ADD society that we become. A six year <laughs> gap between Bond movies would have just been way too much. Yeah, in, in that time span. 
You know, I mean, nowadays, even, you know, two years is almost just enough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it gives them time to, to make another one, you know, pre-production, uh, post-production, all of that. But yeah. six years nowadays, I don't think that would would well, fly. Not with a series like James Bond. Yeah. Well, talking post-production and the facts... Die Another Day was strongly criticized by some reviewers who felt that the film relied too heavily on gadgets and special effects. That would be me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, James Berardinelli of RealViews.net said, This is a train wreck of an action film, a stupefying attempt by filmmakers to force-feed James Bond into the mindless X mold, and throw 40 years of cinematic history down the toilet in favor of bright flashes and loud bangs. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say that, you know. Uh, and then, of course, of the action sequences, he said, Die Another Day is an exercise in loud explosions and excruciatingly bad special effects. The CGI work in this movie is of an order of magnitude worse than anything I've seen in a major motion picture. Coupled with lousy production design... Die Another Day looks like it was done on the cheap. What did I say at the beginning of the, of the recording, the podcast? Yeah. You know, this is what I'm talking about. This is the crap and, that I saw. And here's what tops that off, okay? When they're in the plane at the end and he's wearing that stupid suit <laughs> to control the set, that was the dumbest thing I have ever seen in a James Bond movie. I'm like, are you kidding me? That doesn't belong here. You know, you could have CGI'd a better suit than, than whatever they came up with there. It looked like a damn mocap suit. God. Yeah. God. Uh, I think the only other thing I want to talk about about Dying of the Day before actually announcing what next year's James Bond. I've already got, it's not even my podcast, I've already got 2016's James Bond January set because I know exactly <laughs> oh, yeah. what we're going to do because of what happens this year with Bond. But uh, oh, yeah. we got to talk about the end scene, the end cue scene of Die Another Day. Where <laughs> yes, he, yes. He comes in and Miss Money Penny. <laughs> that was okay. That was probably the best scene in the movie. The, the best awesome. scene in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. You know. And she got in the whole virtual. And honestly, folks, anything outside. Anything that's this old, that's 2002 or beforehand, anytime I see any kind of virtual reality, anything, I immediately reference and go back to Mad About You, and they had the Christy Brinkley day, uh, uh, Andre Agassi episode, <laughs> because I'm thinking, wow. And the funny thing is, Samantha Bond actually, as as Money Penny, actually got a O James line. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean. In the sexual innuendo term of O James, where you know, in in her past appearances, it's just been really snarky about it. Um, so, and I don't think Doug will have a problem with this, but uh, next year, uh, James Bond January in 2016, we will be doing Daniel Craig because Spectre comes out this year in November. Spectre is the fourth Daniel Craig film. Oh yes. And Stephen, I'm sure we'll have to set something up to go see this. <laughs> oh yeah, um, uh, it is coming November sixth, twenty fifteen. It is the twenty fourth Bond film, and they, along with the reset with Skyfall, <clears throat> with the whole reset of bringing it back to a male M and back to the MI six of you know nineteen sixty two, sixty three, sixty four. You know, hey, here we go. You know, we're bringing Spectre back in. This is going to be, it's going to be really interesting. And for me, I told, I think I've mentioned this to Doug Offair. <laughs> Casino Royale is all right. It's a good movie in, you know, in, in giving us a quote unquote origin of Bond. After that, the Craig era starts with Skyfall for me because Quantum of Boredom just doesn't exist. <laughs> it just fucking doesn't. It's just, yeah. ugh, that movie. Well, I think, you know, they, they, this is the first time they've really done – that was the first time they'd really done a direct sequel mm-hmm. to a Bond movie. And it just – I don't know. It, it, like you said, it didn't work. No. You know, it's not my favorite by any means. But, and, but you know what? I, I like Daniel Craig a lot as James Bond. And again, that's 
That's what kept me in it was Daniel Craig as James Bond. Just just like Die Another Day, you know, Pierce Brosnan keeps you in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you know, know and, and he, I'm going to say this because when I first heard that Daniel Craig was going to be James Bond, my thoughts were a blonde James Bond. <laughs> yeah. What? I, I mean, you know, he, he, he was just not what I was picturing because when I saw – you know, Timothy Dalton playing James Bond. And then we go from Timothy Dalton to Pierce Brosnan. They both had the same dashing good looks, the same black, you know, jet black hair and the wisp over it. And then you come with Daniel Craig and he's got almost like a crew cut going on. You know, I mean, it it just, I was like, that's going to be the new James Bond. You know, a lot of people couldn't, didn't see it. And I, you know, I I couldn't see it at first. Did you, did you ever see the movie, um, layer cake? No, not yet. I've heard okay. about it. A lot of people, you know, if, if you watch that, you know, if you watch Layer Cake, you could almost get a sense of, you know what? Yeah, this guy could play James Bond the way he came across in that movie. Mm-hmm. Any of, besides me, anybody into WWE today? Mm, no, I heard something about Jesus and, you know, Jesus and the devil with it, but that's about it. Okay, well, were you into WWE at all in the last 15 years? Mm, last time I think I watched was when Tito Santana was still doing the figure four leg lock. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow, you're old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the only reason why I ask is because uh, one of the WWE superstars, Batista, actually starred as um, – oh, crap – uh, Drax the Destroyer in Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, so now he gets to be the next, not necessarily a version of, he gets to be the next Bond henchman inspector. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I, I can you know see what? this. Mr. Hinks is his name. A henchman and bodyguard is what it lists here on IMDb, or no, on, uh, on Wikipedia. Um, I'm looking at the Spectre stuff on on uh, on Wikipedia and Monica Bellucci as a potential Bond girl. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's a maybe. She could work, but like, I don't think they're going after a lot of um, a lot of high name celebrities at this point for Bond girls, which kind of is disappointing. You know, though, that may not actually be a bad thing because it's – I don't necessarily want to go see a movie because of the names that are in it. Right. I want to see it because of the story. I want to see how they're going to bring these characters together, you know, how they're going to put it together and how they're going to do it. The fact that they're bringing Spectre back, you know, it's – I don't know. I'm hoping that they don't go too corny, you know, that they don't go back to the 1960s – Sean Connery and, and, you know, Goldfinger era of, you know, lots of bad puns and whatnot. I, mm. I, I think they know better than that. <laughs> you know, that, that may have worked for that era, but it certainly doesn't now for, for this era. You know, because yeah. you know, da- Daniel Craig is, he's got that classic look about him. But if you have him start spouting off all these cheesy, corny lines, that, that, I don't even think that works for him personally. Mm. If they give one or two as an homage, I'll be okay with that. But I don't want anything more than that because then it'll be like, you know, okay, look, you're going way overboard. We don't right. need that. Yeah. You know, the the bit with Q in, in Skyfall where, where he makes references to the gun and, you know, all it's that. It's not an exploding pen. Yeah. Yes, yes. I mean, that was right. a nice nod to Goldeneye. Absolutely. You know, those little things, those were nice touches and they were making fun of it. Well, they were they were making fun of it, but they were still paying a good homage to it without oh, yeah. saying, you know, because in Skyfall, it, it, Skyfall is the transition film, as we know. I mean, yeah. specifically for MI6, because mm-hmm. you have, we didn't have Q in Casino or Quantum, and we have him here in Skyfall, and, you know, we have, uh, you know, eventually we have this, this guy show up that eventually will become the new M, because obviously they killed the other one, which is a shame in itself. But, you know, times they are changing and that's fine. I think what, just as speculation for future Craig films, 
I think where the comedy is going to come from is from his relationship with Q. Like, I don't think they're going to yeah. give Craig cheesy lines. I think they're going to give all that stuff to Q. Yeah. It, and, and, ha- and have Craig react to it as, what are you, friggin' kidding me? That kind of thing, you know? I, yeah, yeah. I, think th- I don't think they'll, they'll give him cheesy lines, but I think they'll have him play off each other because they, they, did, they did really well with that in Skyfall. I, yeah. I like how they came together in Skyfall and their relationship and how that kind of developed kind of you know, for, for the few scenes they had together, it developed. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, we're about out of time for this episode, so I'm going to go ahead and tie it off here. Uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in for our James Bond January. We will be back next year, as we said, for James Bond January in 2016 for all the Daniel Craig stuff. Uh, Mike, do you have anything that you want to talk about here for GCRN? We've got a bunch of stuff going on. Um, I'm in the process of bringing a couple of our podcasts back and having a lot of content. Uh, Movie Week in Review is going to be coming back uh, in full swing. Tooncast Beyond is going to be coming back in full swing. Uh, the Pullback, which is our comic podcast, is going strong. In May, we will be fully launching Showtime Synergy, which is our gem review podcast. I can't um, wait. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. That sounds really bad, but I can't wait. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm telling you. You know, I, I've said this off air, and I'll say it on air. Uh, the two ladies I record with for that uh, lady rec at lady uh, at lady of rec on Twitter and at Beatles Diva on Twitter. Uh, Beatles like the band, not the bug. Uh, they, I, I, I tell them every single recording session we do. I'm like, I'm sending you my medical bills if my face falls up from laughing so hard because <laughs> the like. We end up recording one podcast takes us like two and a half, three hours oh, to record. But the podcast usually ends up being, I think, because I've already edited episode one at this point. Episode one runs in at like one fifty nine and change. Um, but it's an it's an episodic review show, so we're going over every single episode of Gem and the Holograms uh, from nineteen eighty five, celebrating its thirtieth anniversary. Um, Coming up this week, uh, here in January, we will have a brand new interview with creator, head writer of Gem and the Holograms cartoon series, Christy Marks. So that's going to be cool. I am trying to line up an interview with the voice of Gem, Samantha Newark. Uh, so that's going to be cool. Um, like like I've said, you know, the whole time that I've been here, I'm talking about my generation. Please head over to geekcastradio.com. We have five and a half, nearly six years of content. We've got something for everybody. It's it's, it's insane. Mind, we'll put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> it really, really is. <sighs> All right, folks. And for those of you who want to get in touch with us here at Talking About My Generation, you can go to our website at mygenerationpodcast.com. You can leave us comments there. If you want to email us, you can reach us at mygenerationpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also visit us on Facebook and leave comments Post up, if you have any ideas for any new upcoming episodes, go ahead and post up. Let us know what you think. I'd like to thank Chris Cowan for liking the page 29 minutes ago as this was being recorded. (laughs) Uh, So we have one new like on Facebook. See, that's awesome. That's (laughs) awesome. I like that. Thank you, Chris. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, we've got a bunch. We have a lot of content coming up. Uh, Mike and I are going to be working. Uh, We're actually going to be trying to pull in here to do a a failed franchises February. I know that sounds kind of dorky, but you'll understand as we start getting into it. Uh, Not sure what exactly we'll cover first, but it'll kind of be, it'll be some mixes of just really weird out there stuff that you've probably heard of, but kind of go, oh my God, really? So we have that coming up. Look for that. Uh, I think I think we're pretty much good for this point here. Uh, yep. Unfortunately, Stephen just died on us with his Skype, so he's not going to be signing off with us. <laughs> but if you want to get a hold of him, write him. Gust- Gustav Graves shoved a bunch of metal in his face. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I think it was his knee, you know. His connection oh. bitched out. Wow. Yeah. Talk about reaching out and touching someone. Oh. Man, we're just going, okay, that's it. we got to stop. Uh, I mean, come on now. I mean, there's this only so many times I can get an MCI reference in this. Oh, that wasn't MCI. 
That was, was that MCI. AT and T. I don't know. Yeah, that was one that of those, was, one uh, of those phone companies. companies. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So we'll sign off now. I'm going to put a little something special in here for everybody, just so you can remember Money Penny.